I feel the presence of God at Metropolitan. That's first and foremost. I love the sanctuary and looking up and seeing Jesus looking down at me. Beyond that, I love the people here. There's so many different personalities. And I love being able to serve in the heart of the city. This is the Metropolitan United Methodist Church Podcast. I want us to consider for a few moments this morning, the kingdom of God is like... The kingdom of God is like. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. And the church said... Thank you. Amen. Somebody said one more time. It's third time. One for God, one for the Spirit, and one for... uh, Thank you. Nestled in the discourse of Jesus on eschatology, which is the study of end times, is this parable about the bridesmaids. This parable teaches the followers of Jesus the importance of being vigilant. It teaches the followers of Jesus of what it means to be ready when Jesus returns. This whole subject of eschatology is addressed in a private setting with the disciples. They're having a conversation on the Mount of Olives, and they're really, in effect, asking Jesus for insider information. They're saying, Jesus, we understand all that you're telling us that's going to happen. Can you tell us when? Because we want to be ready. I don't know if they wanted reassurance or vindication, but they wanted Jesus to be very clear about the time of his return so that they could monitor their behavior. Probably not you, but your neighbors might have asked that same question. Lord, I want to be ready, but tell me when you're coming. This subject of end times was particularly important because in the Old Testament, Zechariah talks about the prophet coming on a day when he will be king of the whole world, and that on the Mount of Olives in the Old Testament, the expectation is that's where the king of kings would stand. And so we hear in Matthew continuing the understanding that this is Jesus saying, I'm telling you all that is going to occur before my death and resurrection, that you might be ready. Now, we might ask ourselves, what does that look like? When you say that we're going to be ready, what is it exactly that God would expect us to do? 
But before I answer that question, I want us to just think for a moment about this message. Again, Jesus is giving through story all that is expected. Jesus is painting a picture of what it is that a faithful student would be found doing. We know that this story comes right after the message of the unfaithful steward who thought that he had time to eat, drink, be merry, do as he pleased, not really helping the people in the household be faithful. And then we fast forward to this week and see this text. And what we understand is that those who are not ready those who are not prepared will be found to suffer. Those who are not ready, who find themselves surprised when God returns, will be sorry that they were not faithful. Now, when we look at the wedding ceremony, we know that there are two stages. The first is an agreement between the bride's family and the groom's family. And second, after the agreement has been reached, we know that then the groom goes to the household of the bride to receive her. That is followed by several days of celebration. Richard Swanson says that it's an opportunity at these gatherings that go on and on for days for men and women to meet, for those who are not married to maybe eye someone that they might be interested in and whisper in their parents' ears. It's no wonder if you think of it in this context that the young women who were prepared for the long night refused to share their oil. Even if this oil and even if this behavior was in direct conflict with the teachings of Jesus about generosity. Swanson says perhaps they would argue that this message is not about generosity. It's about preparedness. It's about being prudent. It's about having a way of being in the world that says that I'm going to hone the skills to navigate this world, to always be prepared. That in short order, no matter what happens, I am going to be very practical in the way I live. And so we have the story. Five young women who had enough oil. Five young women who were prepared and even though the groom's arrival was delayed, it did not matter. And then there were the foolish ones who were only prepared for a short time of duration. When we think about the fact that it's been more than 2,000 years since this text has been written, we must ask ourselves, what does it mean for the church to be ready? How does the church appear if the church indeed in this century is prepared for the coming of the Christ? And I would offer that a wise church is one that holds on to their faith, even in the signs of no sight of the return of the Messiah. A wise church is one who is preparing in the midst of hope. No matter what they see happening in the world, they are willing to stay steadfast, to pray and wait for the certain return. Even when there are shootings in churches, even when people are being mowed down by trucks, even when some churches have gone radio silent, a prudent church, a wise church 
holds on to their faith, and they sustained, are sustained by the reality that God is with them, even in the midst of the most difficult situations. Jesus ends this story by telling the young foolish women that he does not know them. They're locked out of the party and he is not receiving them at all. We will remember that these words, though stern, are not the first time we've heard them. Following the Sermon on the Mount, he is saying those who are not living within the will of God, those who are mimicking the right words, those who are saying the things that need to be said but are not living according to the will of God, also will hear these words, I know you not. We don't like focusing on these stories. We don't like the harsh message that it tells us. We don't like the feeling that comes up in us. The text today is very clear that these folk, when this story was written, were expecting Jesus to return very shortly. And yet here it is more than 2,000 years afterwards, and we're still waiting. And so within this delay, how do we wait? What is it that it looks like as a waiting congregation? The kingdom of God is like. What is it like? Fred Craddock says that this parable gives us a clear picture of two ways that Jesus encounters us in the world. There is one that is grace-filled, and then there's another that is cause and effect. What you sow, you will reap. And Craddock says that we need to hear both the grace and love of God, and we need to understand the judgment of God. We need to understand that as we prepare ourselves on this journey, that God calls us to walk in the light, that God calls us to be faithful and to look for ways in which to be the church no matter what it looks like on the outside. That is a huge ask. That is sometimes more difficult than we can comprehend. But what Fred wants us to understand is that as we wait, we need to wait in purposeness. We need to wait in inspired action. We need to wait with the preoccupied understanding that God is with us walking through these times. It's a problem when we say that God is coming back so it doesn't matter what we do. It's a problem when we say, it doesn't matter if we're good stewards. It doesn't matter if we take care of the earth after all will soon be gone. It's interesting that some of us are preoccupied with reading novels about the end times and watching movies about the end time and getting all caught up in the negative or possibility of destruction of the world. But what if we ask the question as we wait for God, the kingdom of God is like? What does that look like? It looks like people working for healing in this world. It looks like people caring for the earth that we have been given. It looks like us offering our own gifts in the transformation of an unjust society. It looks like we're reaching out in compassion and with love to a world that is hungry for a word from on high. 
what does the kingdom of God look like? It looks like you and I being active participants as we walk this way. It looks like us knowing that a loving presence of God is daily inviting us to participate in the transformation and restoration of this world. We need not be afraid because God is with us in the most difficult times. God is working through us. If we would open our eyes, we'll catch a glimpse of God's reign on earth in this place. We will see the hope. We will see the just that is, that is being created for all of God's people, and we will trust that God's movement will prevail. The kingdom of God is like tasting the sweet goodness of generosity. The kingdom of God is like loving as if you've never been hurt. The kingdom of God is like living an abundant peace filled world in spite of where you find yourself. The kingdom of God is the people of God living in the meantime, creating heaven on earth in this place. It's being the light of love. It's being the spark of joy. It's being the model of loving presence. When we look at the people of the Virgin Isles and Puerto Rico, we get a vision of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. In the midst of not receiving what they needed from the mainland, they collectively in their own spirits have been working together to redevelop, to reorganize, to make things happen in the wake of the hurricane. The people of God who understand that being the presence, get a full realization of the kingdom of God. It is not easy to keep faith in the midst of sorrow. It is not easy to be love in the midst of hatred. It is not easy to be peace with justice in an unjust society. And yet, as the people of God, that is the challenge. As the people of God, as we wait with anticipation and expectation, we must be living examples of the Christ. Jesus, when is all of this going to happen? We, we want to be ready. We want to be found where we are to be when you return. So can you just help us understand the time, the kingdom of God is like love personified. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, in this moment, as we reflect upon your word, 
as we see ourselves in the story, remind us that your grace is sufficient. Remind us that in parables we see judgment, but we also see grace. And so God, in this moment, if there is any person here who has not made that personal connection with you, let them in their own heart say that I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I receive you as a shepherd of my life. And I realize that being ready simply means I'm willing to open myself to being a place of love and of kindness. And so, Lord, let them know in this moment that you hear their call and that you receive them in your love and in your mercy. And for these and all things, we give you grace, praise, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Metro UMC podcast. Please join us for worship at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings or at 5 o'clock on Tuesdays for 5 o'clock rush. You can find more information at metroumc.org or on Facebook under Metropolitan United Methodist Church. Metropolitan United Methodist Church is a biblically-based, multicultural, diverse, Christ-centered congregation where everyone is welcome.